0: Outside the tall building, the wind twisted and twirled as it hummed between the building crevices and whistled through the cracks along the window's edge as Charlotte, or Charlie as she preferred, looked out across the sprawling city. Bright lights streamed away as far as she could see, adding their dim hue to the chilly night scene spread before her. And as the night air brushed against the window, its pulsing caress made its own kind of music that lulled the young Charlie back into her bed and under the pile of covers that tried to keep her warm. And then. And again. And then. At the window. And again. Rubbing her weary eyes, she rolled toward the wall, willing the intrusive notes to go away. Oh, what could it be? Her apartment was so far up, even birds rarely came to visit. This time, she pushed the covers back and rolled herself upright in bed, swinging her legs over the side in one motion, letting her feet come to rest on the soft moss that grew thick at the foot of her bed.
1: What?
2: What?
0: A small bird rested on her nightstand, pulling at the little necklace she had set there as she did every night.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry, there. I just just need to borrow this,
0: replied the little bird, who then picked the necklace up, and with a tremendous jump and furious flapping of wings for such a small thing, it managed to lift the necklace into the air while keeping itself aloft. It seemed as though its eye twinkled at her as it dipped and flipped about under the weight of the necklace, as it flitted away
2: through a forest
0: of tall trees.
2: Hey, stop!
0: She cut herself off as her round eyes took in the sight before her, and all around. Aunt Nani? Aunt Nani? Only the faint echo of her voice replied.
2: Well, this is just a silly dream.
0: She said with a firm nod, trying to convince herself, before diving back beneath the covers, piled on her bed.
2: I just need to wake up. Just wake up.
0: This voice was not her own, and for a moment, she remained hidden beneath the pile of covers. Again. Just wake up. The voice repeated itself once and then again.
2: Just wake up. Just wake up. Just wake up. You don't need to keep
1: saying it.
0: Over and over, the strange little voice repeated the phrase, saying it in different ways until Charlie threw the covers back in frustration. Charlie's abrupt movement caused the little creature to skitter behind the small lamp that sat on the bedside table, where it then peered cautiously back at her.
2: Go ahead, say it again. I dare you. Dare you, dare you, dare you, dare you.
0: Forgetting her unease, Charlie shuffled a little closer toward the nightstand while remaining on her bed.
2: You're a funny little thing, aren't you? You're funny. You're funny, you're
1: funny,
0: the little creature replied from behind the lamp. With a sniff, Charlie decided to hop off the bed and onto the cool mossy ground. For just a moment, she wriggled her toes in the soft moss.
2: But not very bright, apparently. Very bright, very bright, very bright,
0: the little creature responded moving itself to keep the lamp between them.
2: Well, I suppose you don't know where we are,
0: said Charlie as she surveyed the thick forest surrounding them.
2: What a silly dream I'm having. Why, the next thing you know, the trees will be talking too. Oh, the trees don't
0: talk, spoke another voice from directly behind her. It was so sudden in the silence that Charlie jumped a little as she spun around. In the act of doing so, she slipped on a smooth stone buried in the moss and abruptly fell down. (sighs)
1: Hmm.
2: Not very bright, apparently,
0: said the owner of the voice, which Charlie could now see clearly standing on its four legs behind her. The creature looked very much like a deer, but was lean with two long spiraling horns on the top of its head.
2: Well then, go on and get up. Hopefully you're the last of the batch today, and I must say that I'm very glad you are not connected to this large thing.
0: Saying this, the creature tap the bed with a hooved leg. You are separate from this, aren't you? Charlie found herself at a loss for words, utterly shocked at the prospect of having a very real conversation with not one, but three animals in this increasingly silly dream of hers.
2: Well, it's much too large to move. If you have need of your shell, you'll just have to come back for it. We can't be sitting out here all night long after all.
0: And with that, The creature walked gracefully around the bed, passing Charlie as it headed down what appeared to be a faint path of moss that stretched deep into the wood.
2: You can't just leave me!
0: Charlie was a bit surprised by the emotion in her voice. All of this just seemed too real for a silly old dream.
2: If you follow me, I won't be leaving you at all. If you have decided to just sit there, well... I suppose you'll be on
0: your own, replied the creature as it continued its slow plodding along the path into the forest without looking back.
2: Why are you all so mean,
0: muttered Charlie, but having no other choice, she picked herself off the ground, straightened the nightgown she had been wearing, and followed barefooted along the mossy trail. Just behind her followed a small little brown creature that looked very much like a chipmunk. As she turned her gaze to it, The creature looked up and offered
1: very bright
0: in reply before skittering into a clump of ferns along the path where telltale rustling hinted at its whereabouts. Joan Williard Stewart, or Noni, as the children called her, was exhausted as she stooped over the pile of dishes from the evening meal. The small two-bedroom loft was stifling, even in the autumn chill with the lack of functioning windows and poor air circulation in the building. There was no hope of getting maintenance to do anything with the place, as it was the last resort for struggling families situated on the outskirts of the city near the rail line. But she couldn't stop now, There were just a few minutes left before she would need to head down the hallway to the elevator to catch the train for the late cleaning shift in the city she was happy for steady work which was more than many could say in these lean times or at least that's what she kept telling herself
2: someday we'll get out of here
0: she whispered to no one in particular at least cassandra had been accepted into the boarding school for the arts and been awarded enough financing to stay on campus she fervently wished there could have been another way to keep the girls together, but she just couldn't afford to care for them both. And this was too good an opportunity to pass up. But Charlotte would never forgive her. It was just she and Charlotte now, and Charlotte was entering the sixth grade. She was normally a sweet and active little girl, but once the semester started and her sister left, she closed herself off. Now. All that Joan got out of her was an angry frown.
1: Damn it! what would you do?
0: She muttered with a shake of her head, the memories of her sister stirring deep feelings that she didn't need on her plate right now. Having finished the remaining dishes, she dried her hands on a towel, took one last look at Charlotte's closed bedroom door, and with a regretful knot in her throat, she exited the small flat locked the door behind her and began the long journey to work after leaving a note for Miss Oldmire in the flat across the hall. Stooping unnoticed near the maintenance closet down an adjoining hall, the chief maintenance technician fumbled through his tool bag before withdrawing the needle-nose pliers. The blue rubber on the handle was nearly worn through, looking much like he felt. Keeping this old building working was fighting a losing battle super invested next to nothing in improvements, and it was all that Brian could do to keep the building up to code, especially with his maintenance team cut in half. The work wasn't glamorous, but it was steady. The people that found themselves here were generally of two types, the unlucky and the unsavory. Differentiating between the two wasn't always as straightforward as it should be, but here on the 43rd floor were a number of families, which is why he spent as much time as he could spare here. While he had no children of his own, surprisingly, he found the sound of kids around to be reassuring. With a final twist, he finished his work and offered a brief prayer that this patchwork would hold for a few more weeks. Then he lifted his tool bag, closed and locked the door, and made his way to the set of elevators just as they were closing. Jim going back to work, I'll bet. He mused aloud before clicking the down button on the console. That one was just unlucky.
2: I will not go a step further,"
0: yelped Charlie as she stubbed her toe for the umpteenth time on yet another hidden route in this rapidly darkening forest. Great trees rose steeply on every side, creating a lofty canopy that entirely closed off what should have been the night sky. At the pronouncement, the agile creature that looked very much like an antelope paused before turning its head back to look at her with one great brown eye.
2: You are free to do as you wish, but I would caution you that soft skins like you do not fare well in these woods at night. So you say, but I don't see anyone besides you and me, and...
0: Charlie paused, noticing that the little burr that had stolen her necklace was settled on the top of a large and looping root, and engaging in something of a tug-of-war with a small chipmunk.
2: Hey there, give that back before you break it.
1: Hey there. Hey there
0: chittered the chipmunk as it tugged away at the silvery necklace. With its beak firmly clamped onto the other end of the necklace, the little yellow bird nevertheless managed to reply.
1: I... I
2: found it first! Well, neither of you can have it,
0: insisted Charlie as she quickly stepped up to the pair and snagged the locket that was dangling about in the center of their tug-of-war. For a moment, both little creatures held on tightly, but apparently saw the danger of doing so and let her retrieve her necklace, which Charlie immediately shoved into the pocket of her nightgown.
1: Now look what you've done, Miffed. Very bright, very bright. Yes, well, I hope you're happy.
0: After a long stare, the larger creature turned its head back around and continued, plodding its way through the forest without another word.
2: I'm not going anywhere,
0: pouted Charlie as she sat herself down in the middle of the path, arms and legs crossed.
2: I just need to wake up from this silly, silly dream.
0: Very well.
2: I would recommend that you not leave the path, but you seem to know what you are doing. Come along, you two. She doesn't need our help.
0: With a titter and a chitter, the pair looked back at her for a moment before alternately springing and fluttering ahead until all three were out of sight. As the sound of their passage drifted away, a heavy hush fell over the forest which seemed to grow even darker without the presence of the other creatures. And there, in the darkening wood, sat Charlie, alone once again as tears welled at the corners of her eyes.
1: Another human child has arrived. Shall I collect this one as well?
0: After a moment, the huge form of a white tiger padded soundlessly into the open space, framed by eight massive stones. Each stone bore its own crudely shaped mark etched eons ago onto their inner facings. Perched atop a great stone slab that lay at the center of the enclosure, a giant blue heron continued its work, making small precise markings on a thin slab of slate with a large pointed crystal that was affixed to a toe on one taloned foot. Oh? A few moments passed with only the sound of the crystal against stone. Then the heron settled the crystal-taloned foot down before taking the slate into the other foot and offering it one-legged toward the massive tiger that sat framed in a single beam of moonlight.
2: Take this to the wolf pack.
0: Again the precise voice of the heron pierced the stillness of the space and echoed slightly the great stones i am no errand runner you
2: are what i say you are
0: and suddenly with a crack of thunder the whole of the space dimmed menacingly head bowed the great cat took the slate gently into its teeth before turning and with a low growl it paced away into the darkness
2: everything is in motion now we must be very very precise.
0: With this, the great heron swiveled back to the center, lifting another slate from the stack that sat on the stone slab and once again picked up the crystal and began making short, precise strokes.
1: Just wake up. Just wake up. Just wake up.
0: Mift. The little chipmunk-like creature was now hopping frantically from root to root in front of the slowly plodding antelope.
2: I told you already that I will not put up with another spoiled, self-absorbed human child.
1: Very bright. Very bright. Very bright.
2: And why is it that you've suddenly taken an interest in human speak?
0: But the larger creature drew to a pause, turning around in the middle of the path.
2: If you insist, take your brother back with you and try to bring her along. I must go ahead, so do not be long. Meet me at the Great Stump before high time, no matter what.
1: Just wake up. Just wake up.
0: The smaller creature replied happily before bounding up the side of one of the trees and leaping to the small yellow finch.
1: Hey, there, hey, you, careful, you nearly ruffled my feathers, miffed.
0: Yelped the finch as it dashed up into the air just in time.
1: Just wake up. Just wake up.
0: Mift responded as it bounded down the tree and back along the mossy trail.
1: Oh, Mift! what are you getting us into now?
0: Twittered the bird before flitting off after the other. Before long, the pair found their way back along the trail to the spot where they had left the young human girl, but to their dismay, she was nowhere to be seen. Quickly sniffing about the impression she had left on the ground, the small chipmunk bounced this way and that before leaping off the trail, presumably following a set of tracks it had found.
1: Mift, don't don't you go far, you know this is a dangerous part of the wood. Mift, I say, come back here before you get yourself into serious trouble.
0: But the small creature had already bounded well out of sight.
1: Oh bother, oh bother. And she took the key with her too. Adeline will not be pleased. Not pleased one bit.
0: He noted while dipping and diving in the direction his young companion had just gone.
1: Listen to me, state is voting to cut back housing benefits again. We can't wait for that. This isn't a charity we're running, it's a business. Inform the residents,
0: they pay or they leave. It's that simple." The deep voice rolled from across the heavy wooden desk in tones of near boredom. Sitting tall on the small wooden chair in front of the desk in his tidy but dated suit, Jonathan January, or Jinx as he was called, busied his hands with a closed briefcase in his lap. He hated this part of the job. Lately, it seemed like rent was increasing at a highly unusual pace, and he was aware of no government action as a likely cause. But arguing with Mr. Kettle was an ill-informed notion. The man was not only large and prone to violence, but he owned everything in the eastern flats of the city, including the police. Yes, sir. Will that be all, sir?
1: Where are my manners, Jinx? How are the kids these days? Sorry in school by now, aren't they? (laughs) Well, actually... Of course they are. And you're a busy fellow. Oh, I saw your wife the other day, out shopping.
0: Must be doing well over at the agency, huh, Jinx? Jinx shuddered inside. Nothing escaped Kettle's notice, and the sheer amount of detailed intelligence he held on the people within the flats was shocking, if not amazing. Jinx often wondered how Kettle did it, but knew precisely why he did it. For the why was one of Kettle's favorite phrases, which Large Man was even now repeating. A man needs to keep all the details in front of him
1: if he's to accomplish anything. Isn't that right, Jinx?
0: E- yes. With a laugh, the large man threw his feet onto the desk and sat back, lifting a folder stuffed with papers from the top of the desk and beginning to paw through them. Jinx knew that this was the end of the meeting, so he stood quietly, clutching his briefcase and headed out the door. Just as he was about to exit the room, Mr. Kettle's voice rose from behind the folder of papers. You should... Take care that your wife doesn't spend too much.
1: You never know when hard times will come. <laughs> Jinx
0: hastened his steps out of the first floor <laughs> office space into the lobby of Building 14, just in time to see the familiar shape of one of the newer residents. <laughs> Miss Williard Stewart, he thought with satisfaction as she made her way out into the night. Yes, perhaps details were useful after all. <laughs> The part of Charlie is voiced by Jolene Fresquez from Dice Tower Theater. Salazar the Yellow Finch is voiced by Brad Zimmerman from The Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Mift the Chipmunk is also voiced by Brad Zimmerman from The Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Adeline the Antelope is voiced by Alexandria Young Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Marvelous the White Tiger is voiced by Mike Atchley from Dice Tower Theater. Millicent, the Great Blue Heron, is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Joan Williard Stewart, Charlie's Aunt, is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Brian Burke, the maintenance chief, is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. Jinx January, the building manager, is voiced by Kenneth Eccles from Podcast Reviews Reviews Podcast. Mr. Kettle, the landlord, is voiced by Mike Achley from Dice Tower Theater. Jeremy, a fruit bat, is voiced by Daniel Nichols from the Happy-Go-Lucky podcast. Old Pete, the Kakapa, is voiced by Sean Gates from Kid Cryptid. Crafton, the Kia, is voiced by Kenny from Unnecessary Evil. Ferris, the wolf, is voiced by Carrie Coello from Elderberry Tales. Miss Fillmore, the child services worker, is voiced by Alexandria Young-Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Miss Oldmire, the caregiver, is voiced by Bobanit. From the Try With Us podcast, Rupert Kersman is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. The Stone Lieutenant is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Charlie Saves Christmas is an original story written, produced, and narrated by Daniel Nichols from the Happy-Go-Lucky podcast and is made possible by our patrons and the support of our listening audience and the tremendous voice talent of our many podcasting creators and friends. Please join us in applauding the tremendous talent of these wonderful friends and creators and be sure to discover a whole new range of fantastic content as you explore each of their podcasts and creative endeavors. Thank you for listening and subscribing. For more information about this story and other productions of the Happy-Go-Lucky podcast, visit us online at happygolucky.com. Lucky Lucky is spelled L-U-K-K-Y. From all of us at the Happy-Go-Lucky podcast, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season.
1: Dice Tower Theatres, Dawn of Dragons, a unique narrated audio drama based around a basement tabletop role-playing game. Six children grow up in the dawning epicenter of a new war. Two brothers, Benedict the pious and careful, and Zane the carefree, are joined by their younger cousin Cordelia, the blacksmith and seamstress's daughter. Their friends Zoran, the son of the local justice, (laughs) and Sophie, the abandoned sister of a young and beautiful Sword for Hire accompanied them on this journey. Sword, sorcery, and adventure await to engage the listener along the way in our 20 minutes or less episodes. We hope you enjoy Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons, a proud member of the family friendly Potagon Go network.